Welcome to the Jordan Journey Podcast. Each episode, we're going to take you with us on a journey talking with teachers in Jordan School District. We are excited to have you come along for the ride. Welcome to the Jordan Journey. I'm Jared Covilli. And I'm Kara Bettis. Kara, can you believe it? But the podcast recently had a birthday. <gasps> We're now in our second season. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Any highlights from year one that you want to bring out that you thought were amazing? Um, well, I'm just looking at our wall of uh, guests on our podcast. I just loved being able to spotlight so many different areas and departments in our district um, and seeing how we all are doing great work to help students learn better, right? Either if it's in coaching or in um, teaching and learning or student services, like all of us are working to help students learn better. And that's exciting to see how it all comes together. Yeah, that's a great comment. I mean, one thing that last year definitely taught us, I think, is that we're all on the same team, Mm -hmm. right? And maybe each of us plays a different role on that team, but Mm -hmm. it's fun to see it when it comes together. And for me, I would say that one of my favorite things from year one of our podcast was really just the chance to tell people stories. Mm. You know, we have so many amazing educators in Jordan District. Some of them are in the classroom. Some Mm -hmm. of them are in a district office. Mm -hmm. um, And some of them do all different kinds of things in the district. But everybody's got a story to tell, and every one of those stories helps make Jordan unique. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, like, we're one of the biggest districts in the state, and we found out nationwide top 100 biggest districts what, what? um <laughs> but you think about just the sheer size of the district and and how many moving pieces there are it helps to humanize that and to see like you said everyone has a story and um we can all be connected and even if we're in a very very large district So what can our audience look forward to in season two? Um, That's a great question. Um, We're very excited. We're going to be doing the ISTE standards for students. So we kind of have to play to our vibe, which is, you know, educational technology. But um, I think this will fit in really nicely with what we have talked about, right? Um, Finding people's stories, looking at how it helps students learn, and connecting people across the district. Yeah, I mean, as we as we move this focus really onto the students where it always belongs, mm-hmm. right? I think one of the things that we're going to find is how each of us make a difference for students mm-hmm. and how we help students to be the best versions of themselves they can be. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. I hope that we get a ton of stories that kind of uh, show the great students that we have here in Jordan School District. And the great opportunities that uh, their teachers, their educators create for them. We are so excited to talk to our guest today, um, Andrea Call, a CTE teacher from Bingham, um, but also the 2023 Jordan School District Teacher of the Year. Say what? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Andrea, do you want to give us just a quick bio of your background? Sure. Um, So I teach in business and marketing at Bingham High School. I've been there for, this is my eighth year. Um, Before that, I was a 
strategic business consultant. So I started out in teaching, went to BYU, taught for a little bit, decided to go back to graduate school and ended up working in business for a while, but finally got my head straight and came back into education. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. So um, I think CT is a really interesting content area and we'll get into it a little bit with these questions, but this blend of real life experience, but then also uh, classroom know-how and and savvy, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, But the blending of the two, I think, is really interesting. Yeah. I definitely think it changes my ethos of education. um, I think that because of that, I am very concerned about what the application piece looks like Mm. and is for all the content that I teach. Because if you're not going to use it outside of school, like in real life, I don't know that it's going to matter. So kind of that idea, like in business, if something's not working, we're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and more than that, it's like, I get that we might have content that seems like it doesn't relate to the real world, but I think as an educator, that's my job is to make it relate to, yeah, make the connections. Thanks. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Um, so thinking of a little bit, a snippet of your bio, um, our icebreaker today is if you could go back in time, travel back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Buy Bluffdale. I did come here for school a long time ago and gosh, Bluffdale was nothing. And now if I owned it, yeah. Okay. No, just in all seriousness, this is an interesting question, but I think I would say that relationships with people matter the most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's probably what I would say. I love yeah. that. Yeah. What, what would you, you say, guys? Jared? To your younger self. Do you know, I'm going to quote from my favorite book. Don't sweat the small stuff. I love that. And it's all small stuff. It is, yeah. (laughs) Because I think when you're a first, when you first kind of get started as an adult, you think that everything is major and everything's got to happen right now. And just, you get so stressed out about stuff that just doesn't matter. But I think as we get a little older, we start to see that, like, you know when it's time to prioritize something and when something can just kind of let that one go. Yeah. Mm. But I think as a teacher especially, oh my goodness, first year teacher, everything seems like it's going to make or break you. Mm-hmm. But you realize very quickly, no, there's a few things that really make or break you. Yeah. But a lot of the little stuff, yeah. you, just, you get too bogged down with it. Yeah. How about you? Um, I have lived a life... Without regrets? I'm just kidding. Always <laughs> so look forward, huh? <laughs> I don't need to go back to that. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I was thinking that I, my piece of advice to my younger self would be, um, like, you'll grow wherever you're planted. Oh, like, you good. don't have to go to a specific school or be in a specific type of job. Like, th- the labels don't matter because... Um, the experiences that you have in those places will connect you. You'll find your people and you'll 
learn and grow no matter where you are. Um, and that was kind of a big aha moment that I had. I was like, oh, like I, there's there's something to be learned from any situation. Mm. And it doesn't need to have a, a particular label on it to be valuable. Yeah, this is a fun conversation. I know I've seen this online a few times um, called like Letter to My Younger Self, yeah. right? And I know some teachers like to do this as an activity in class. Like yeah. if you could write yourself a letter back from a couple of years ago as a student, what would you say? Yeah. Uh, good reflection activity. Fun yeah. fun to kind of look back yeah. and see kind of where you've been and then to see how far you've come. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, this year we are talking about the ISTE standards for students this time, um, and I'm excited to dive into each of those each month that we uh, record podcasts. Um, but for September, our theme is Empowered Learner, and I was thinking, like, who better to talk about empowering learners than the Teacher of the Year? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, Andrea, what does it mean you to you? You can't see this on the podcast right now, but Andrea is wearing her Teacher of the Year banner. I am, <laughs> and my crown. My crown. Wait, you get a crown with it? I, I don't, I'm just kidding. Kara's going to apply now, just yeah. so you know. She didn't know how to apply, but now she's there. Now she's there. Now she's that there. I know a crown's involved, yeah. sign me up. Um, what does it mean to you to be a teacher of empowered learners? Yeah, this is, I mean, kind of an interesting question because I think a lot of times as teachers, we talk about like empowering teachers and giving teachers the skills yeah. and how are you going to improve your teaching? And I love the idea of empowering learners and giving them the tools to be responsible for what they're learning. So to me, it's, it's really giving kids all kinds of options to build sort of like a toolkit for learning in all different kinds of situations. Because I think if they can walk out of school knowing how to learn, I mean, that's the greatest gift that we can give them, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, as, you, as you're saying that, Andrea, I'm kind of thinking, because in our world, we use technology to help make that transition mm -hmm. happen, right? Mm -hmm. And let's use kind of some of the buzzwords right now. One of the big topics in technology is artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. So... Would you say like a tool like that empowers learners so that they can find information and use those tools to help them move forward? Or some would argue that they actually take away learning mm -hmm. from our kids, right? Yeah. And the bot or the AI does the learning or the, at least the assignments mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where do you stand on technology yeah. and its role to empower yeah. learners or help them along that journey? Yeah, I think that's actually to me, the important part of teachers right now is helping kids learn how to use that technology in a positive, empowering way. So for example, I actually use ChatGPT in some of my classes. And what I'll do is I'll have students like have it write a business plan for them. Mm. And then I'll have them look at that business plan and determine what is great about this? What is horrible about this? How can I add some creativity? Because 
really it's that creativity piece. It's the connection piece that the technology can't do for us. And so that's where, especially going forward in the world that they're going to be adults in, they're going to have to know how to do that. And so I feel really responsible as an educator, again, to help them understand that application, if you will, of that tool. Because that's how I see ChatGPT. I see it as a tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wish, I, I don't know what would be the tipping point for teachers, but helping them see it as a tool instead of the thing that we have to shut down and block and filter mm-hmm. and things. It's like, um, how, how can we change the way some teachers view it? Yeah. And for me, I think the reality is we live in an era, if you will, where we are so connected to technology that it's unrealistic to have students come into my classroom without technology. Right. You know, like I'm kind of famous for saying you're going to get a job and you're not going to have that job. And someone's going to be like, you know what? You can no longer Google. You can no longer call your friends. You can no longer look it up on the internet. I mean, how many of us rely on these resources to do our jobs? Mm -hmm. And how is it that we can do that? It's because we've learned how to use the technology effectively. Yeah, I say this all the time. If you're over 18, you're resourceful. If you're under 18, you're cheating. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is really an interesting dynamic. It's so true. Like you just said it. If you were working on a project as the teacher of a class, you would utilize as many of the tools as you could. Yeah. To yeah. help you be an effective learner yeah. of the content or yeah. to get understand the principles of what you're trying to accomplish. But if you're under 18, you, the only resource that you should have sometimes is what I give you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that could be a pretty incomplete resource, right? Yeah. Yeah. Depending on who's teaching mm-hmm. and how well they're comfortable with the content and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, that's a really, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I, I was listening to the superintendent yesterday and he kind of, he kind of said this concept like, you know, when, like, let's go to the 80s, graphing calculators. Oh, mm-hmm. well, if you use a calculator, that means you don't know math, right. right? And then we move forward a decade, and in the 90s, oh, if you use Google, that means that you don't know where information is. Right. And he kind of said it really interestingly. He said, no, what Google did is it gave us the chance to not worry about memorizing the facts because we could look those up. Mm-hmm. But we started to figure out why the information was important. Mm-hmm. And we just offloaded that stuff that wasn't important to the technology. Mm-hmm. And we took what was important, and that's what we focused on for the learning. I love that. Um, this qu- next question kind of goes along with that. Um, like helping students use these tools effectively, but also responsibly um, in ways that they would see in the real world. Um, I know you've done a lot of work with personalized learning and making uh, each student have kind of their own entryway into the learning. Mm -hmm. Um, So how are some ways that you help students personalize learning either with technology or with your content? Yeah. To me, again, I think this is like essential in teaching right now because I think one of the best ways we can fight apathy is to give students options to Mm. pick things that they care about. Mm. And so like I may assign 
a project. I want you to do a marketing campaign, let's say. And that's the standard from the state. The kids have to be able to do that. But where I can give them choice and where I can empower them is to allow them to define and demonstrate that learning any way that they want. So they may build a slide deck. They may do a podcast. They may go around and interview people. I mean, they can do all kinds of different resources. So that's where the technology, I think, is so amazing, is that it gives them all of these different options that they can choose from so that they can demonstrate their own learning. And they can pick what's comfortable for them. Like, they may love Canva. They may love filming their friends. They may love claymation. I, I don't know, but at least they can use something that they feel comfortable with to express and create in a way that's like meaningful and impactful. Cause again, I mean, that's kind of what we do in a work setting. So. Yeah. 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 I really like that. Perfect time now to go to a commercial break. Attention fellow educators, are you ready to take your teaching skills to the next level? Introducing the Educational Technology Endorsement Program we offer here in Jordan School District. It's the perfect opportunity for you to unlock the full potential of technology in education. The program covers various topics from using technology tools to understanding blended learning frameworks and also implementing blended learning strategies in the classroom. Upon completing your educational technology endorsement, you'll gain the knowledge and skills to revolutionize your teaching methods. Take advantage of this opportunity to transform your teaching and ignite a passion for learning in your students. Registration for the new EdTech cohort will open in September 2023, and courses will begin January 2024. Check out the information on the Digital Teaching and Learning website digitallearning.jordandistrict.org or email me, Deanna Taylor, at dtaylor at jordandistrict.org. Thanks for listening. Welcome back from our commercial break. We're talking with Andrea Call, CTE business teacher at Bingham High School and the Jordan School District Teacher of the Year. We've been talking with her about how we empower learners. And um, specifically, we've been kind of looking at a little bit about how we personalize our learning and do some different things. One question that we want to get into is your day job. So you teach CTE. Maybe tell us a little bit about, maybe not all the teachers out there know what Part CTE and how it's part of the curriculum. Yeah. Maybe tell us how CTE helps students kind of have a well-rounded education. 
Yeah. Okay. So CTE, as you know, with most things in education is the acronym, but it just <laughs> means career and technical education. And students need we to We like take, our acronyms, don't we? I know we, we really do. We really do. Students need to take um, a couple of hours of CTE to graduate from high school. And the great thing about CTE is it allows students to kind of dabble in different careers. So CTE has a big reach with everything from agriculture, animal sciences, welding, auto shop, business and marketing. I mean, there are so many different options out there, digital studies. Um, and so I think it's great because it really is that application piece of, I'm going to try something mm. that is really career-based. So tell me, like, I know in every one of the high schools we have, a CTE program, mm -hmm. but then we also have the JATC North right. and South. Right. Maybe describe just a little bit of that relationship. And like, if a student's really into something and you don't offer it at Bingham, mm -hmm. is that something they're empowered to use the JATCs for? Yeah. So we have two of those. And the great thing about them is that they allow kids to specialize. And usually the program has a certification as well. Um, and so those programs run anywhere from like CNA programs, nursing programs, medical assisting programs to like fire science or horticulture. And again, it's allowing students to find connection with content that matters to them. So I have students that, for example, want to be nail designers. Mm -hmm. And so then they'll have those two periods a day where they bus from their home high school to the JATC. They learn how to, you know, design nails, polish nails, make nails beautiful. And then um, we'll end up getting an industry certification in that and then can actually graduate from high school with a job that is decently high paying. That's cool. Which is awesome, mm -hmm. I think. It's awesome for kids. So, Kira, were you hearing this about a nail tech? Yeah, I was very excited. Like, this seems like somebody you should know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and you can go there, and yeah. those kids will do your nails, and they are really good, actually. So, shout out to JTech. I'm excited. I have heard about their award-winning nail program at yeah. JATC South, yeah. so yeah. Um, I am very loyal to my person though so i probably won't go to them but someone else should yeah kara it's for the children it's for the children maybe maybe when she goes on vacation again then i'll have someone to do my nails for yeah you then. can't hear this right now but ross will tell you that he uses their service to, he's an active participant to let the barbering students oh, yeah. get some practice <laughs> so we're making him nod off camera just so you nice. know nice yeah, yeah. All the things that podcast can't show. Um, that did make me think, though, Jared, what, what kinds of career opportunities did you have when you were going through school? I mean, the truth of the matter is this is kind of, I was in school kind of before a lot of this mm -hmm. stuff happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only real business classes that were available to you or CTE kinds of classes would have just been business classes. Yeah. Like we would have learned, <laughs> I'm totally going to date myself, like, <laughs> I took typing like <laughs> in school and uh, I mean there were computer classes and things like that but still like the bulk of us learned not keyboarding we learned typing if you're of our age group um, but so you didn't have those options and I think about it now like I love oh the relationship you mean typing like on a typewriter oh for sure oh my gosh okay <laughs> 
Sorry, that blew my brain. She didn't know what typing was. She's that young. So, Kara, before there were computers. (laughs) I was trying to process why were you emphasizing the typing part of it? I didn't understand. We're a multi generational podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. But really, like, think about this. Like, there just weren't that many options. Maybe in the computer classes, uh, well, I'm sure of it. We were learning Corel Word Perfect back then if we were doing yeah. anything. Yeah. But now your business classes, sure, you offer the Microsofts and all of mm-hmm. that. But we have so many more options for kids. And like you say, it's not just um, like in our world, it's not just word processing skills or mm-hmm. data processing skills and that. It's everything. Like yeah. you really can customize a career path for you starting as a, like a sophomore in high school. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's something that we don't, we probably don't talk enough about with students Mm -hmm. because there aren't, not every kid wants to go to a four year school and, you know, get a degree in something business related, but a lot of kids find their passion early and can really develop a pathway for them to get into the world they want to be in. Yeah, well, I initially went to school in language arts and English, and um, teaching in language arts, teaching in the core is just like a totally different ballgame because it really is about making sure that kids get the content, if you will. Um, And then working as a consultant, I just felt like such a need and a pull, if you will, to help kids understand kind of how business works and how at a very young age they can understand so much about business. They can understand so much about leadership or business communications or the store or whatever thing I'm teaching that will really help them in almost all professions. Mm. And I felt like a real lack of that. Um, I feel like we didn't, at least in my school, I didn't get enough of those like soft skills, enough of that kind of general, this is how you come up with a plan for something. This is how you create a work product. You know, what we consider like business skills, I feel like I got none of those. And so I feel like if I can give those to high school students, um, they will have a huge advantage. And I have a lot of students who graduate and leave Bingham and they go and they start their own businesses or they, you know, don't end up taking the college path or they take the college path and then come back and are like, you taught us everything from, you know, the first two years of marketing and we were so far ahead. And so that is so awesome to me that kids are leaving with pieces of knowledge that they can apply in life after school. Do you know one thing that I think that you just touched upon that's a pretty, it's kind of a dramatic shift in the way that our world works is I think about like if you leave your classes with set a set of skills, if you can demonstrate those skills, people don't always care what kind of a degree you have or what kind of a background you mm-hmm. have, um, especially if you start your own business. Yeah. Like they just yeah. say, hey, can you do it? And if yeah. you can do it, that's all that matters. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's one of the things I heard in your answer is like, you want to help prepare kids so that regardless of what choices they make in their future, they've developed a set of skills that will help them in any of those paths. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So as you were talking to us, you kind of gave us an overall goal of what CTE looks like and what, you know, 
kind of your reasoning for getting into it. Maybe tell us just a little bit about as this, as you start a new school year. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the goals that you have at the beginning of a school year that kind of set your path for the rest of the year? Yeah, um, I would say probably my number one goal for my students is that they have some moment throughout the semester where they feel proud of themselves because mm. they learn something new. Mm. Um, that's probably the biggest thing for me. Um, and then secondary to that would be that they make connections in the classroom. So either with a peer you know, they meet someone new or they connect with a content piece or they connect with learning about a company that they're like, oh, gosh, I want to work for something like that. Or they're interested in something and they think about something in a different way. Um, to me, those are probably the biggest goals that I start out with um, and to, to make it through October. That's always <laughs> the biggest thing you do. <laughs> so as you start down that path, how do you kind of – what are some of your check-ins to see how you're doing? Yeah. Like, let's say it's now October and you've been doing this for a couple of months now. How do you check in with yourself to see how you're doing? Yeah. Um, Do I know all the students' names? Mm. Do I know at least one thing about the student that has nothing to do with them in my class? So something that they like, something that they do outside of school. So those two things are probably the most important to me. And then how many kids have come up to me, usually in the month of September, this starts happening toward the end of the month. Oh my gosh, you said this and I was driving and saw that. And Mm. so now, and so they have like this connection outside of school. So if I'm getting a few of those and I know the students' names, I feel like I'm, I'm doing well. I feel like I'm doing well. Yeah. Love that. Um, well, one of the things, so kind of thinking about um, goals that you have for your students for the year, um, and this might be a kind of a hard question, but how we would like you to sum up your approach to teaching in one sentence. So how do you approach Those pedagogy? are always really good for podcasts to summarize yeah. in one sentence. Summarize in yeah. one sentence. Okay. Um. I could probably do it. I mean, honestly, not to be like that person, but I could do it in one word and it would just be connection. Mm -hmm. And if I was going to add to that, it would be connection with each other, like relationships in the classroom, because I think that's what keeps kids in school. Mm. And then connection with content. So how is this going to look in my real life Mm -hmm. right now? And then connections with possibly in the future what am I leaving this class with that's going to help me down the road? Because I would love it if, you know, like five years from now, they have this moment where they're like, oh, I've heard this before. And they, it kind of comes flooding back. You know, Andrea, one thing that I think is really important about that word connection, in our line of work, this comes up quite a bit. You know, a lot of times when we think about technology connecting us, it's mm-hmm. wires that make connections right. between you know, different machines or different devices. But like you said, it's more than that. It's connecting people Mm -hmm. to each other, Mm -hmm. to ideas, and to the world, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so that's the biggest part. Like in technology, when people always ask us like, well, technology people only care about like the devices. Right. And I don't think that could be further from the truth. No. Like I think one of our goals is to use the devices to connect people with each other and with information. Yeah. 
I was just going to say, like, I love that idea of connection. Um, but, like, how? Like, mm-hmm. how do you help them find those connections with each other, with the content, yeah. and with the world? Yeah. So it's funny because um, I get asked that a lot. And I would say that it starts at, like, the really small level. And so, like, one of the first things I do is I require all the students in my class to learn each other's names. Mm-hmm. And I actually give them a name quiz because I just believe that you should know people in your class. Like you should know the people that you're with. We're going to spend a lot of time together. You should know each other. Um, And so I require them to to learn each other's names. I make sure that they rotate around. We do a lot of group work and I know group work is terrible, but honestly, group work is life. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do a lot of group work and they'll be in different groups with each other. And I usually have a reflection piece at the end of the group. And one of those questions is always, what did you learn about someone in your group? Mm. Or what did working with this group teach you about yourself? Because I want students to think about how so much of our learning really comes from our interactions with other people. So on that small level, that just getting to know each other and trying to learn how to like respect each other and learn from each other is probably, in my opinion, one of the most connective things that we can do. And then, you know, recognizing, I encourage the kids, hey, if the person you sit next to isn't here today, like send them a text and tell them you miss them or whatever it might be. So trying to build that culture in the classroom. And I'm not going to lie, like every class doesn't work like this. Some classes, they never speak. I had a marketing class at the end of last semester. Those kids wouldn't talk at all. I mean, I could have like lit myself on fire and they just would have been like, (laughs) okay. Um, But I, I typically have classes that grow in that culture and are pretty connective and I mean they may leave my class and never talk to each other again but at least they've learned how to learn from each other yeah yeah Yeah. I think that's so powerful too especially with um coming back from COVID learning and being isolated like in some ways we've forgotten how to talk to each other and how to connect with one another um because in online worlds, it's easy to silo yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm interested in this niche topic, and these are my people, and I'm going to just interact with them. But in the classroom, it's one of the few remaining spaces in our world where you are, you're interacting with a broad subsection of society, so right? True. So true. And so if you ent- go, are going into the workforce where you're going to work with people that you don't necessarily get to pick um, – how can you develop those skills to make it work, even if you didn't get to choose that environment, you know? Yeah, very much so, yeah. Kara, as we come to the end of our conversation, it's time for a Jordan Journey pit stop. So as we jump into our pit stop today, Andrea is going to tell us a little bit more about a program that she's working with over at Bingham. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so this year, um, Jordan District, actually it started last year, Jordan District CTE decided to build what they're going to call the Entrepreneurship Academy. And it's interesting that you brought up JTEC classes because the vision of this is sort of like a JTEC class. So it would be like an intensive space for students to really learn about being an entrepreneur. But the exciting thing for me is that it's going to sit at each of the high schools. So you don't have to have those two periods in your day to go to JTEC. So I teach at fourth period. I started last year. 
Um, and I partnered with Jordan Education Foundation. Um, Mike Haynes is so connected mm-hmm. in the community. And I went to Mike and I asked him, could I get guest speakers and mentors to come in and teach students how to run businesses? That's awesome. And he was like, you just tell me who you want, how many people you want, and I'll have them in your class. And so last year, it was so amazing because... I mean, two to three times a week, we would have guest speakers from the community who own businesses, work in business, or just have great stories, come and talk to the students and build these connections, these relationships. And then they offered to be mentors for these students because I have this real like personal drive that every student should have an adult who is not their parent who shows up for them um, and is probably not even their teacher, but someone who can write that extra letter of recommendation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so I wanted students to have exposure to this adult who's doing these great things in their life and to just be that presence for them. And it was wildly successful. So many students were able to make connections. They ended up with jobs. They ended up starting business. Um, and it's really been great. And so we're here for the second year. Um, and we have a um, display fair um, set for the end of the semester in January and then another one in May where members of the community can come and see these businesses that the students have started. And it's, I mean, it's really growing. It's actually really exciting. I think it's a great space for us to be in because so many kids want to be influencers sure. and essentially an influencer is a small business yeah, owner. They're their own business. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Ah, I love that so much. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Absolutely. That's, that's a great yeah. program for everybody yeah. to know about. And maybe even at the other high schools as well, yes. right? So yes. available, yeah. not just at Bingham. Available at all high schools in Jordan District. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Well, Andrew, we've really enjoyed having you as a guest Thank on the podcast you. today. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this episode was great. And I was so glad that we were able to get Andrea in here to talk with her. Um, I worked with her at Bingham, and she's fabulous, and I, it was so great to see her being spotlighted as Teacher of the Year. Um, but also it's to not like, every day we get the Teacher of the Year. The, the Teacher of the Year. <laughs> but also to hear uh, kind of her approach in her classroom and how she um, like creates these experiences for her students. She's very intentional about what she's trying to accomplish, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the way that she helps her students understand the content or even just how she helps them relate to each other. Mm. Like a lot of really great strategies there and a lot of things that I hope our audience can relate to and and try and implement in their own classrooms. Well, and it's so perfect at the beginning of the year too, where you are so cognizant of classroom culture, right? Like it can be easier to kind of let it slide as you get into the swing of things and like the year passes by. But at the beginning of the year, when you're really trying to make an impact, like helping the kids connect with each other is probably the best thing that you can do. Yeah, and I I love what you just said there, Kara, because you have to make an effort to make this happen. Mm. Like a classroom culture does not happen organically. Mm-hmm. If you don't infuse the kind of culture that you want into your classroom, something else will get created. Yeah, Culture gets created whether it's by you or in front of you. Mm-hmm. So you have a choice. And I love the way that she talks about being very intentional in the type of classroom that she wants to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. Loved it.
Well, that concludes our first episode of the second season. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you come back next month when we talk more about the ISTE standards for students on the Jordan journey. Thanks for joining us on the Jordan journey. Great stories from great teachers in Jordan School District. See you on the next trip.